Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we are back to continue our journey through the United Kingdom. Today, we're going to take you to the very popular city of Bath, or as I believe they call it in Britain, Bath. Bath. <laughs> Bath. So this is a place that's located in Somerset, and the last few episodes that we've had, we've talked about other places that we visited in Somerset. It's fairly close to London. You can get there by train in about one to one and a half hours, um, 100 miles west. So not super close, but you can get there fairly quickly by train. One of the things that we found out that's kind of interesting about this city is there's only three cities in the world where the entire cities themselves are designated as UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And the city of Bath is one of those places. We've been to another of those places. Which is? Venice City. Yeah. And there's one more which we have not been to, which is Brasilia. Brasilia. Yeah. So we've been to two out of three World Heritage Cities. And maybe someday we'll get to Brasilia. So continue listening. And maybe in five, five years or so, <laughs> we'll make it there. As I mentioned, your Bath is really popular. Over a million visitors stay there annually. And four million visitors at least make day trips to that city. This is a place that has a rich history of a connectivity to the Romans way back when. So in the British Roman times, people from the area of Londinium, which is present-day London, would go to a place called Aquasulis, which is present-day bath, for bath and spa treatment. And much of the history that emanated from that continues to be uh, something that you can see today when you visit the city. And that's something that we did, and uh, among the things that we're going to talk to you about. We went there because one of our destinations was specifically Somerset, England. Mm -hmm. We had gone to the places that we had connected to my ancestry, which was Watch It. And this seemed like the next best, larger place to go to that was a little more touristy. But we heard and read what kind of antiquities were there. And that very much piques my interest. Mm -hmm. I love anything that has um, a very old history mm -hmm. to it. So to get to Bath, we were coming from Dunster, which is close to Minehead. So that's where we were staying just prior to this. Mm -hmm. So we ended up making you know connections from that place to the city of Taunton. Taunton and from right. Taunton took the train to, to Bath. And I forget how long it took to get from Taunton to Bath, but however long that train ride was, landed at the train station. And then we had reservations at a bed and breakfast that, I don't know, maybe was a mile and a half, two miles away from the city center. Yeah, it was, yeah. was kind of close, close, but too far to walk. Right. So, you know, I had found out in advance that the way we were going to get from the train station 
to the bed and breakfast was via a bus, mm-hmm. and hence a comes city bus. yeah, hence comes Art's nightmare because we've been in foreign countries before, and I'm thinking about Ireland, I'm thinking about Italy. They were the two main places that come to mind. That you know, we hop on the bus. You get on the bus, there's nothing that tells you where you're stopping, what the next stop is, what the location is relative to where you need to go. And I've just historically felt super confused on a bus. And all of that confusion ended for me on this particular trip because I had an epiphany that some folks might think, wow, <laughs> you didn't figure this out before. <laughs> And this is, you know, particularly, I think, specific to the way we travel, because, you know, we're talking about taking buses in a foreign country. And usually when we've traveled from the United States into Europe, I usually on my cell phone do not carry an international plan. So I'm just kind of, you know, using my phone whenever I can get on Wi-Fi. And I knew that was going to be the case with my own phone on this particular trip. But one of the things that I did do before we left is I did learn that on Google Maps, you can download an offline version of the maps of an pretty much of an entire city before you get there. So I had these maps that I had downloaded. I had one for the city of Bath. And as we're sitting on the bus, I pulled open my Google Maps on my cell phone. I didn't have the cell phone service. I didn't have Wi-Fi, but I have the off offline version of the mm-hmm. maps. And lo and behold, I'm seeing the uh, little blue dot, which is, it's us on the bus mm-hmm. traveling through the city. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I stuck in the address of the bed and breakfast. I could see where that is. And now all of a sudden I'm looking at all I need to do is just follow the little blue dot. And as soon as the little blue dot gets anywhere close to the bed and breakfast, we're getting off. And that took all the stress out of where are we? Where do we get off? And so that was my epiphany. And used it ever since that visit, and we'll use it from here on out. And if you're in a place where you don't have cellular service on your phone, just know that you can download an offline version of your city that you're traveling to on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. And it'll make it a lot easier to find where you're going to, be it if you're walking or if you happen to be on a bus. So now that we're in Bath, we're going to take you through our top 10 things to do in the city. But we're going to break this up into three things today, and then we're going to take you through number four through 10 on our next episode. Well, the number one thing that, and one of the first things that stands out in Bath is the Roman baths Mm -hmm. that brought so many people from outside of the area to come in for their therapeutic baths. And healing. And healing baths. And... The Roman baths has been there for centuries, and mm-hmm. it's it's something that is well documented way, way, way back in history. One of the things that we had done was you can reserve tickets beforehand before you leave for your vacation, just to make sure that you have tickets to get in the baths, because it is very, very, very popular. Mm-hmm. We had decided to take a chance, which was kind of, well, you had decided actually to take a chance. Yeah, because I didn't know when we arrived here, you know, if it was going to be a time ticket, if the timing was going to work for us. So I think in past travels, we kind of had one 
episode in the past that kind of turned out to be a mistake and that's that's when we went to florence italy and whatever the museum is there where you can see the statue of david did not have reservations for that and hugely popular and we did not get in did not get that. in so i knew that this was also hugely popular but i think because of some things i was reading online sounded like we might be able to actually skate by without the advance reservation yeah, and we kept our eye out, too, because we had a walk through city center, and we were kind of keeping our eye on mm-hmm. lines and what it looked like during the day. Yeah. And and so that helped tremendously, too, because we had determined that there wasn't really a long line in the morning or in late afternoon. Yeah, and I think this place is open, at least when we visited, it was open till 10 p.m. So, yeah, really yeah. late. Yeah. I was surprised yeah. by that. So we decided that we were going to get there first thing in the morning when it opened. Early birds. Yes, and so we knew it opened at 9, mm-hmm. and we get up early anyway, so that was easy for us. Yep. And we had got on the bus and made our way back into the city center and came to the Roman baths itself and took a look. And lo and behold, what did we see, honey? There was only three people in the line. It was awesome. <laughs> so we just walked right up, got our tickets, and boom, and we, we were went. in. Yeah. And which was really, really nice because there wasn't a lot of crowds in the baths itself, too. Mm-hmm. So we could really soak it in, take our time. Go to each exhibit, read, listen to the audio. Yeah, without people standing without, in front of without us. Without feeling crowded in or you're in the way. So it was it was really, really nice experience. Yep. The baths itself, I really didn't know what to expect. Nor did I. And it was absolutely incredible. There was floors and the bath itself, the waters that, that come up from underneath the earth. And the receptacles that they built centuries and centuries ago to hold those waters so they could get that thermal spa experience um, were all very much intact. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the sculptures and statues and things that were carved out so, so very long ago were very much intact. And they were preserved. I don't know how it was preserved so beautifully. I know they had to unearth this bath structure later on because it did get covered over over the centuries. And as they unearthed it, you know, they discovered the, this incredible scene of uh, Roman structure. Yeah, it was pretty amazing how well preserved, like you said, everything was there. The reason that this place became this spa destination to begin with is it is, I believe we were told, the only hot springs in all of England. So you've got hot springs in this area that rises at 46 degrees Celsius. And for us in the States, that uh, that's 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Which seems very hot, but yeah. I suppose it's something you can adjust to. But you've got these natural warm waters that spring up in this area, and they built this bath complex around it that allowed people who visited to taken their spa treatments, their bath treatments. It just turned out to be you know, quite an incredible complex that they built around this area. Yes, and there was Native people before the Romans ever got there that still used these waters as a therapeutic spa mm-hmm. and as healing waters, they would call them. Yeah, so we learned that the Roman bath complex was built in honor of their goddess Solus Minerva, and one of the pieces that you will see when you visit the Roman baths 
is this bronze statue of the head of their depiction of the goddess Sullus Minerva. I think it's one of the best-known objects in the Roman baths. We took some pictures mm-hmm. of it. It's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty stunning. Mm-hmm. Again, it is just one of probably hundreds many, of, of many artifacts o- that objects, go back yeah. hundreds and hundreds of years, and it just looks uh, remarkable yeah. in terms of how it's preserved. Yeah, and, and they used to throw things into the baths that were to the goddess Minerva and probably other goddesses and gods too, as some were curses, some were asking for favors. There was all kinds of things. They were put on different types of of materials, metals, clays, things like that, stuff that did not disintegrate in the bath when the object hit it. And so they had found many of these objects in the baths themselves, and they're displayed in cases all throughout the museum. And it was just just incredible to see that you could still see all the etchings in the, these little pieces of metal mm-hmm. that had these curses on them, you know, that somebody had cursed another person for stealing their donkey or something, you know, and it was way crazy to, to see that and know how old it was. Yeah. In addition to the, uh, the curse tablets and those were, those were, uh, interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like that before. The artifacts that they had there. I mean, we saw ancient coins, the implements that they used, there was jewelry, combs, accessories, tools, all kinds of things. You know, so the um, the presentation of that Roman part of the British history was very well preserved. There was even people in Roman costume that were in the complex. I think you had. I actually, spoke to one. You did. You spoke to a Roman. And he told me that I was some great lady of the Roman times. And uh, he called me lady. He was in costume, but he was also in character. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really fun. So we mentioned that people back in the day would come here for healing. You know, one of the things that we learned was that people who were seeking divine help for illnesses that they had or afflictions, they were able to stay overnight in special temple buildings. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, temple complex actually did not survive. And there's various depictions of what they believed the temple complex looked like back Mm -hmm. in the day. But upon waking, the uh, priests of the Roman god of healing, who was Aesculapius would help these people interpret their dreams or visions. And it used to be said that if people couldn't be cured by drinking the waters in bath and bathing in bath, that they could not be cured anywhere. So um, this place had quite the reputation. And you can even taste the water at the end of your experience. So they have little spigots and there is cups that were next to it. And you go in and the water would come out of the spigots and you'd fill up your cup. Yeah, this is kind of that natural water that comes from the spring, From the spring itself. And it was one of those, Mm. do I do it? Do I not do it? You weren't sure what you were going to quite get. It seems you should when you're there. Yeah, so yeah, if you're there, you need to do it. So I went ahead and I took the cup. But before you drank, what hit you, Julie? The smell. And how did it smell? Uh not good. It was nasty. It <laughs> was. Good. It smelled. It smelled so bad that you would think, "I'm not drinking this because <laughs> it was horrible." Yeah, I had second it. thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I put it, but I'm willing. I'm willing. Yeah. I'm daring. I'll try it. And that smell comes from. It has 43 minerals in the water, from calcium to zinc, and they actually have a plaque on the wall next to the drinking spigots that tells you exactly what the uh, elements in the water are. Mm -hmm. 
And they used to believe that those elements would heal everything from skin problems to infertility. Mm -hmm. After um, we tasted the water, it didn't taste nearly as bad as it smelled. It didn't taste nearly as bad, but you definitely had an aftertaste. Yeah. So hold Um, your nose. But it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. So there is so much to see in this place. It is the premier attraction in the city of Bath. We stopped at everything that had a plaque to read. And again, I think we were partly able to do that at our comfort because we did get there as early as we did. We didn't have to battle the crowds. Mm -hmm. I'd recommend, you know, take advantage of the audio narration. That was great. I would very much recommend that. That helped the experience 100%. So the beginning to the end touring the complex took us two hours. That was including, you know, doing all the reading, listening to the audio tour. Now there is an option when you're doing the audio tour that you can actually listen to narration that's presented through characters and different personas Mm -hmm. of the kind of people who would have been here back Mm -hmm. in the day. So you could listen to a narration from the perspective of a slave or the perspective of somebody who would have come there for healing. And I think there was, there, there were several personas. If you were to do that, you could easily spend probably a good half a day in this complex, you know, getting those different perspectives of what it used to be like to yeah. be in this place. Right. But, but we, as we yeah. were, as the two hours was winding down, we did notice that the museum was getting quite crowded. Mm-hmm. And we exited the museum. And when we went out, we saw that the line was actually wrapping around the building. Yeah, by noon-ish or so. I mean, this place is really jumping. It's you know, You're going to be waiting in line for quite a while to get inside. So I think the recommendation is either get there super early or you're probably also better off waiting till late afternoon. Because I think when we were... That's in this, if you don't uh, have a uh, reservation. Yeah. If you have a reservation, you know, that's a different story. It depends yeah. on your itinerary and how you want to experience bath so this was i think i speak for both of us you know definite highlight of our visit to Mm -hmm. the city of bath and i remember saying to you when we were exiting the building that geez i feel like getting a massage yeah because you're just going through the whole spa (laughs) and one of the things i learned and we did not do this but very nearby the roman baths there's opportunities for people to engage in thermal bath spa experiences so after you visit the roman baths if you want to get some aromatherapy stay in a steam room have a massage there's options nearby and you can uh, see the museum and you know engage not at the roman baths themselves but in a nearby place that type of experience So that's the Roman baths. And now we're going to go to our recommendation number two, which is right next door to the Roman baths. Mm -hmm. And that is the pump room. So the grand pump room, it's a historic building that's in the Abbey churchyard. So, you know, if you think about, you know, when you're in the city center in this one general area, you've got the Bath Abbey church. You walk a few steps. You're at the Roman baths. Right next door to that is the pump room. So you've got a lot of historical places Mm -hmm. that you can visit within steps of each other. The pump room right next to the Roman baths, and it it is named for the water that's pumped into the room from the baths hot springs, and visitors can drink the water also at the pump room. But this place is also where you can go to for lunch, for dinner. You can go there for an afternoon tea. It's also noted for music that's in the restaurant. So they have a pump room trio. That's one of the longest established resident ensembles in all of Europe. Sometimes there's a pianist playing. 
And among the history of the Pump Room, this was one of the places that would have been frequented by the novelist Jane Austen. But the Pump Room is an area that was used as a setting in several of her novels and where the, uh, the people who wanted to be seen back in the day would have congregated. One of the things that caught my eye, though, was when we were standing right outside the pump rooms, there was a plaque that I believe was fairly new that was put up to celebrate the building's links with Frankenstein. So what on earth does Frankenstein have to do with the city of Bath? Well, it turns out that the bulk of that book was written in Bath and published 200 years ago. So the author, Mary Shelley, wrote the novel while she was staying at Five Abbey Churchyard, which then stood right next to the grand pump room. And on the plaque, it says, the novel Frankenstein was written on this spot in 1816 through 1817. Mary Godwin, as she was uh, known back then before Shelley, she was aged 19, arrived in Bath in September of 1816 and took lodgings here at Abbey Church Yard. And since then, that house has been demolished to make way for the pump room extension in the 1890s. And she had attended scientific lectures by a man named Dr. Wilkinson in the nearby Kingston Lecture Room. And he had suggested that one day electricity might be used to bring inanimate matter to life. And that idea really resonated with Mary, who had experienced nightmares and thunderstorms. And this led to her inspiration to write the novel Frankenstein. And then she married the poet Percy Shelley and then changed her name, obviously, to Mary Shelley. And by the time she left Bath in 1817, most of the novel had been written and it was published anonymously in London in 1818. And uh, turns out that Mary Shelley came to Bath because her sister was pregnant, but not by her husband. So I think they um, had to go to a place that afforded them probably the kind of privacy that they needed. Yes, given it, was the very, it was very much a scandal. It, yeah. You know, so you usually left your hometown and went somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, so if you're a fan of literature, be it Jane Austen, be it Frankenstein, there's connectivity to at least those aspects right here in the city of Bath. Number three on our list. We mentioned Bath Abbey a few times, and it is probably on the most must-to-do for Bath area. It's very impressive from the outside, extreme. It's, It's one of the things you see first when you enter into this square area that has all these historic buildings. Yeah, it stands it's huge. tall. It's like the largest it's so ornate. building there. Yeah, And so you, it just stands out, completely stands out. It was a Benedictine monastery at some point in history, and it was mentioned as a monastery in 757 AD. That was the first mention. Mm-hmm. And then the Reformation happened and it fell into the English church. And it's been there ever since. In uh, 1088, John of Tours, the Bishop of Wells, is given the Monastery of Bath. Now, this is before Reformation, mind mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. He orders the building of the large new cathedral to replace the Saxon Abbey. The beginnings of today's Abbey Church started in 1499 with Bishop Oliver King when he orders the building of the new church and the Norman Cathedral built by John of Tours had fallen into disrepair. So this has a very, very long history. It's been started by the Benedictines and then it moved into Reformation 
And prior to that, it had been built several times, either built upon or rebuilt. So it has a very long history to what the church is today. But then Henry VIII comes along, huh? Yeah, our Reformation guy comes along in 1539, and he closes the abbey. And many of the convents and the monasteries in the area... And the monks are forced to leave the abbey, and it was left to just fall apart. Mm -hmm. And then in 1574, Queen Elizabeth I gives permission for a national collection to raise money for the restoration of the abbey. By the time that World War II hits, the abbey had escaped any damage, which is remarkable. Yeah, because there was other places very nearby that did get hit by bombs, you know, falling from airplanes, yeah, so, yeah. But, but apparently nothing hit this particular structure. Yeah, which yeah. is absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's one of the things you think they would spot out first and, and destroy, yeah. but they, they uh, seem to have either missed it or intentionally missed it. Yeah. We don't know. So we decided that we got to go see this, right? Absolutely. It's, you know... It's a must. We I think it's on, on the must-do see list. It looked impressive from the outside, and surely it was going to be impressive on the inside, yeah. huh, Julie? Yeah, so we we got in line. There was a bit of a line. Um, it hadn't opened yet, actually. There was a... Uh, something was going on inside. Was well, it a service? Well, or? yeah, so we were there on a Sunday. So there yeah. was a Sunday, some kind of service going on. Some kind on, of service and- was going on. So they had... Uh, it closed until that service was completed. and Which is going to be 4.30 p.m. Right. So finally the doors open, And there was a bit of a crowd at that point uh, that wanted to get in. It was, really wasn't a line. Mm. Everybody was just kind of crowded in front of the door. And so we kind of entered our way in. And there's people posted at the front with little desks that check you in, basically. Mm-hmm. And there is a suggested donation of to enter into um, the Abbey, which was about four pounds. But it says it's a suggested donation, so you don't really have to pay it. Mm-hmm. So we kept looking at each other like, what are we going to do here? Are we going to pay it? Do we just walk right through? What do, what do you want to do? And, um, and we usually, ne- we, we always pay. We all, yeah. We're yeah, always like, yeah. yes, we're going to, we're, and we ended up kind of just walking right through. Yeah, I don't know. Something came over I don't us know what day. happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was part of, partly the intrigue about <laughs> test testing the system. <laughs> so this was the, this was probably our first test ever where we did not pay a suggested donation. Yeah. The place we, yeah. Yeah. And, I was kind of, as we were coming in and viewing and stuff, we'll all get a little bit further into that, but it was quite an immense cathedral, even on the inside. It had a stained glass that was absolutely huge in the altar area, and it was amazing. It was just, and I believe original, to the last restoration. Mm. And it had the usual old flooring, and you come walking up to towards the altar and the thing that struck me first was I noticed that there was construction or restoration I assume going on so most of the inside of the big chapel area the nave area I would call it Mm -hmm. was closed off you couldn't even see it yeah it almost felt like there's probably half of the space inside we couldn't even see yeah so you st- you stayed to the right, and you kind of were forced to go to the right, and it came up to the altar, and then you were you went toward in a corridor towards the back, beyond the altar, and it mm-hmm. kind of swung around, and you could come 
behind the altar and then come out again. And they have little chapels in the back behind the altar. Yeah, so I don't know how long this uh, restoration that, w- that happened to be going on inside when we visited is going on or has been going on. But because it was happening when we were there, for me, it kind of disturbed the sense of being in a sacred place. It just kind of felt like being in a messy old building. Yeah, me. that that's the one of the things you feel first or yeah. you notice first is that there's really no sacredness to the space at all. Yeah, And um, people are milling in and it just seemed like it was a tourist destination. Okay, So can I get to my pet peeve? Yes, please. Because I had a pet peeve. I know. And I think it's one that I believe I've mentioned on a prior podcast at another church. And so um, it struck me again here. So th- this is it. So this is a place, as you mentioned, that's been around for well over a thousand years, you know, has its history with the Benedictine monks, was a church prior to the Church of England, prior to the Reformation for at least, what, 600, 700 years, you know, quite a long time, you know, quite a rich history. And so as we're in, as we're in the, the church, I'm looking for things that are going to tell the story of probably that first third of this church's existence. And the only thing that I saw was one sentence on the front of the pamphlet that this place once upon a time was a Benedictine monastery and there was nothing else. And so, you know, it just seemed that there's, you know, 600, 700, and I'm just doing the math on top of my head, years of history that were just kind of discounted and then it's like you know everything that you otherwise could read about is kind of from the reformation forward Mm -hmm. and i think that that's um it's a disservice to history to not present that story because because there is that part of the story i think you can have in a church like this still have the glory of the church of england and you know talk about that aspect of it and by bringing in this prior history, it doesn't have to diminish from what the church is today, it, you know, for the people of England. It's just history. Yeah. So that's my pet peeve. You know, when, when I get to a, a historic place, I want to have the the fullness of the story. And I kind of, that for me, that was, that was part of my personal letdown when we visited this place, mm-hmm. is I felt that there was part of the historic story that I didn't get a chance to learn and understand yeah. when being well, in the building. And I don't think it was explained very well in the church itself. You did have a pamphlet, and the, the pamphlet did explain some of the history of the church. But when you were in there, there was nothing to really view that. Uh, there was lots of um, slabs on the wall of people that were buried there. Yeah. Um, but they were every, but everybody was everywhere. like post the uh, post reformation. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but there was no explanation. A few of them, there yeah. was a few bishops that yeah. I saw that had some, some placards on it, but yeah. most of them, you just had no idea. And um, it just didn't catch my attention. very Yeah. Well. So not to have the perspective that every church that I would have walked into in England, I'm going to have this negative impression. Uh, we've got some other episodes coming up where we did visit some other church buildings that are also Church of England facilities that were stunning. So, but those we're going to talk about in another time. When I think about all of the churches that we visited, especially the the notable ones, this one to me was like the one that comes under the category of letdown, whereas some others... Yes, because it is very notable. I mean, it it does have an incredibly rich history. Yeah. There are... 
you know, neat things to see in the church. One of the things that, that maybe would also help embellish the experience for somebody, this is something that we didn't do, but there are tours available. I don't know if it, if it was the case that at the time that we visited, it was too late for a tour. So perhaps if you were in there and had a guided experience and maybe got to see some things that were kind of behind the scenes, like I think one of the things that is available is to go up into the bell tower. And I mm-hmm. I'd heard somewhere that you can actually ring the bell up there. So mm-hmm. there's other ways to probably get a better experience of Bath Abbey than we particularly did. Maybe Sunday's not the best day to do it. That's though. probably true, too, because yeah. that's kind of their, their busiest day. Yeah. So that's our roundup of Bath Abbey. would still recommend that if you're in the city of Bath, do go check it out. Yes, yes. And the other thing I'm going to note, too, we didn't take advantage of this, but right next to the Bath Abbey is the Bath Tourist Info Center. So, again, kind of in this this general area, a lot of things to see. And when you first land in Bath, you might want to take advantage of stopping by the Tourist Info Center just to see if there's anything particularly that's being recommended during the time of your visit. Any special events, you know, they could uh, point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to sign off for now. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to take you through number four through ten on our next episode. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.